Hi there. Do you want to write fiction that readers gush about, but you can't figure out how to fill in the beginning, middle, or end of your story? I can help with that. Do you struggle to flesh out character or plot or to stick with your story long enough to finish it? I can help with that. Once your book is written, are you totally clueless about marketing? Do you find yourself Googling how to market a book or how to make money on fiction? I can help with that. Welcome to the Prolific Author Podcast. You know you're meant to write fiction, but you can't seem to nail down the skills or processes that make it simple and repeatable, not to mention fun. So you wait around for the muse to show up, try to force your story into a template or outline, or take months, if not years, to discover your story. Plot twist, there's a better way. Hi, I'm Liesl, USA Today bestselling author, story psychologist, writing craft geek, Christian, and story clarity coach. After 10 years of trying to master fiction using the old industry standard writing advice, I still felt lost. I finally learned what fictional storytelling and the human template are really about. Humanity, emotional connection, and serving our readers by giving them relief through vicarious experience. Imagine learning how to flesh out your characters, plot, world, and theme with such definition and clarity that every story you ever write lands with readers and makes people go, wow, now there's an author. Imagine knowing how to drill down to the heart of your story to learn what it's really about and tell the unique story that only you can tell so that you can get more readers, more downloads, more royalties, and of course, more fiction writing success. This is the podcast for you. We are prolific authors. All right. Welcome back to the Prolific Author Podcast. We are here today with author Lisa M. Lilly. How are you today, Lisa? Great. And I'm so happy to be here. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to talk about some of the things that um, I think you have to offer. But why don't we start by just having you introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you write. Um, I'm Lisa. I'm Lily. I write thrillers and mysteries. My ongoing series is the QC Davis Mysteries. It features a lawyer, excuse me, a lawyer sleuth in Chicago who initially starts solving crimes because her boyfriend dies suddenly. The police believe he died by suicide and Mm. she doesn't buy it. And she has a lingering distrust of police because uh, back in her family's history, there's an unsolved murder. So that drives her forward. And I'm on the sixth book in that now the first one is The Worried Man. I also wrote a supernatural thriller series. It's complete, The Awakening series. And it follows a young woman who becomes the focus of a powerful fringe religious cult that Mm. believes at first she's going to give birth to a messiah, but they come to believe she will actually trigger an apocalypse. So it follows her after that. And uh, I write under L.M. Lily, a series of books for writers. Um, It's a writing as a second career series. Ah, nice. Oh, and I host a podcast too. Almost forgot that. And I'm on a podcast, <laughs> Buffy and the Art of Story. And I break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer using the same plot structure and story structure that I cover in some of my writing as a second career book. So it's a lot of fun if you're a Buffy fan. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's super interesting. And, and you had mentioned that before. I actually, I'm like one of those weird people that have never actually watched Buffy. So, ah, no. um, but if I ever... <laughs> do yeah that would be really interesting to like watch each episode and then listen to your podcast because that's actually something that I do sometimes is break down stories you know using plot structures and everything so um yeah that it actually does interest me I just 
I'm not very familiar with the subject material. <laughs> I just, I, the first podcast I ever listened to was one breaking down each episode of Buffy and looking at not just plot, but why does it work? Why doesn't it work? And I learned so much from it, including yeah. when I didn't like an episode, the hosts were great at pinpointing things. And I'd think, oh, that's why that didn't quite land. And then it helped me tremendously with my own writing. I knew I always admired the writing in the show, but I never really broke it down. So when I started podcasting, that's, that's what I decided to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, I love that you said that you learned so much because I think by analyzing stories, um, you know, it's, it's not always the best thing to, uh, you know, try to force your story into a template, but when you can pull out these points of other stories, it just teaches you a lot about the different elements that need to come into a story in order to keep the audience engaged. Yeah. And, and it's so much easier to see in someone else's work. Right. Uh, yes. and <laughs> I think in some ways it's more helpful than I had been for years in writers groups, which can be really useful, but depending what level people are at, you might be mm -hmm. looking at issues that you've already mastered, for, let's say grammar or something like sentence right, structure. Right. But when you look at something that you love and you say, oh, why do I love this so much? <laughs> why does it work? You, you just learn. Yeah. And actually, that's something that I always encourage people to do. You know, I always say, even if there's, say, you're watching a movie and for the most part, you didn't really like it, it didn't really land with you, but there's one scene that you're like, oh, I liked that. Sit down and analyze the reasons behind that because you can apply it to your own writing. And if you liked it a lot, you're having an emotional reaction to it, which means on some level it worked, you know? Yeah, definitely. It, lately, I never had watched Grey's Anatomy and... I started watching because uh, I read a book about how good Shonda Rhimes is on keeping people watching. And uh, that is so educational. Like every last scene, I'm like, oh, no, I have to watch the next one. Right. <laughs> so that's that's my next goal to really master that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I don't think I think about that enough in my writing. So that's a good point. So um, tell us more about how you help other authors then through your through your books on, I love that, that it's writing as a second career that you specifically call it that. Yeah, I started, it started out with a website I founded of the same name. And it was, my, my goal in starting it was to speak to authors and writers who had another full-time career or job, or maybe more than full-time, or maybe they have a job and they're caring for children but a life that's not predictable, that they don't have a regular schedule, because it seemed to me that a lot of advice out there uh, is premised on the idea that, oh, you can write at the same time every day, or you should turn out X number of books a year, and you shouldn't deviate. And in certain types of lives, that's not possible. I had times as a lawyer when I worked two months straight and literally did nothing but eat, sleep, and work on my cases. I was already getting up early to finish right. my work and staying up late and eating at my desk and all the times that people say, oh, here's where you fit in your writing. But yeah, when that was done, I went back to a good writing habit. You just have to create it differently. So that's a lot of what's on the website. And I have a couple books aimed at that part of writing. I have one called Happiness, Anxiety, and Writing, which is kind of about dealing with the anxiety just in life, but also as a writer that comes with it. And then my more craft Focus Books started as I wanted to do a handout for people on the website 
that they could download, join the email list. And it was five major story structure points that I use and figured out based on a lot of screenwriting books and like what you did, taking apart a book I loved or a film I loved. And people found it so helpful and kept writing me and saying, oh, you know, this is so much simpler. And I've read so many complicated plot books and this really helped me that I created the first book in the series, Super Simple Story Structure, and then later went on to take that as well and put it into the one-year novelist, which helps people both use that structure and fit it in to their life, no matter what else they've got going on. So it's like, a, it's a week by week guide. Nice. And after that, I just kind of looked at what are people asking me for? What are they saying they're struggling with? And that's what I keep trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. So would you like to share more about your, your plot points that you use? Yes. Um, I, I read yours on your site. I love seeing what everyone does yeah. for this. Cause I think different structures can resonate with different people right. at different I times. I tried to do mine in a way that would work for any type of story. So I use examples from the Terminator, the first movie and Pride and Prejudice, which I mm-hmm. notice you also love. Yeah. So I look at, it ended up being um, a couple more points. I look at opening conflict because I feel like as a new, when I was a new writer, I tended to do that start in the ordinary life. And I miss that, yeah, start in the ordinary life, but there should be conflict. Mm -hmm. In the Terminator, Sarah Connor's ordinary life is as a waitress, but it's a kid's dumping ice cream into her pocket and a guy's slapping her butt and being really creepy and she's getting the orders wrong. Like there's conflict. Mm -hmm. So I talk about opening conflict. Um, then this inciting incident or story spark that sets off your main plot. And then I divide it up in quarters. So I look at the first quarter way through, I think of it as the one quarter twist, and it should come from outside the protagonist. In almost every story, if you look at a novel, 25% through, something major happens from outside the protagonist that spins the story in a different direction and sends it toward the midpoint of the book. And then the midpoint, and this for me as a writer was key because I never knew what to do in the middle. I'd, it would kind of sag and I'd falter Yeah. until I was working with um, a screenwriting coach who said, you should either, your main character should make a major commitment, throw caution to the wind, or suffer a major reversal or both. And your antagonist might do that too. So in, I'm gonna do a little spoiler here. So for Pride and Prejudice, um, Darcy, our antagonist, throws caution to the wind by proposing to Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, in the way she rejects him, throws caution to the wind. Like she is Mm -hmm. so, just at the time, we all feel justifiably so, just mean to him, tells him if he was the last man on earth, there was nothing he could say that make her accept his proposal. So it's it's like she's closing all the doors, which it turns out maybe she shouldn't have done that. So that's that super strong midpoint. Mm-hmm. And then about three quarters through, there's the last major plot turn. And in screenplays, this might be more like a third through, or it could be a little later, but books almost always a quarter way through. It's a turn that takes the story again in a new direction, but it should come out of that midpoint. So from the midpoint on, your protagonist is active and now they're taking it in another direction and it should probably raise 
the stakes. And finally, the climax. Everyone knows what a climax is. Your, your two main characters, your opposing forces have their final confrontation. And then I look at just falling action. What happens then? We tie up loose ends, resolve subplots. If you have a series, maybe there's that hook to keep people right. going to the next book. So I've used that for every book I've written. And what I like is you can start with that if you want. And if you're an outliner, you're a plotter, you can fill in what happens in between before you write. But if you love discovery writing and figuring it out as you go, you could just sort that out as you write. So it's a, it's a really flexible framework. Right, right. And I, I like to say too, sometimes that pantsers, even if they are the kind of people that don't want to use a framework at all, they don't even want to look at it, they can always come back and use it as like a checks and balances to see where their story might be sagging and they might be missing something. Yeah, I found a lot of writers I've worked with, they use it on rewrite. So they've mm -hmm. got this draft and just like you said, they're not sure why is it sagging here or maybe why does this change feel too abrupt? And it can really help them sort out those plot issues and right. shape it so your pace, it helps with your pace. And maybe figure out, oh, there we need something else here. Like this is just scene yeah. after scene and something more needs to happen. Right, right. So when you say you work with writers, are you a writing coach then? I do some writing coaching one-on-one. -on -one. I also will look at other writers if they've they're starting out, maybe they've got a few chapters and they want someone to look at their overall plot. So mm -hmm. I'll have them, I've got story structure worksheets you can get on my website or I'll send them to them and they can either fill those out with those major points and some other things on there about goals and their characters, or they can send me an outline and I'll look at that and send that back to them before they spend forever writing right. that draft. And, and I offer that because I found that tremendously helpful when I was writing. I had a a writing um, instructor I'd gone to a retreat with, and he did that for me for a few of my novels, and it just it saved me so much time. Yeah. I actually waited till I wrote the first draft, and then I got really depressed when he sent me the comments, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, I seriously thought this was working. Um, so I learned to to send earlier, right, right, maybe a third, and sent him that in the outline. So I yeah. I offer that as well for writers, and then sometimes um, I'll help a little bit with marketing if someone just is like, how do I get my book in front of people? Mm -hmm. And that's an hourly thing. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I think it's funny that um, so often we hear early, early writers saying things like, oh, I don't want story structure, it just kind of bogs you down, or, you know, I don't need that. And, you know, as you go along, you, you all writers learn that they need to include certain elements. So what would you say to someone who's, you know, thinking that plotting and story structure doesn't really apply to them? I would say two things. One, um, like we've talked about, you don't have to plot the whole thing. So maybe just pick one or two of those points that you you probably have in mind already. You might know what your climax is, or you might know there's this one major turn. So you're probably plotting somewhere in your head. But the other thing is look at the books you love. 
you know, go mm-hmm. look at them and I, or movies, I've literally paused the movie at halfway through what's happening. Um, the first Star Wars movie, halfway through, uh, spoiler again, but it came out in the 70s. Right. <laughs> um, the entire planet Alderaan is destroyed and mm-hmm. Luke was going there to meet with Leia and this was the big thing and it's destroyed, major reversal. So pause the movie or take your favorite book. I did this with the Stephen King book I love, The Dead Zone, and open it up at the middle, open it up and see what see what the authors are doing. And then, you know, if you don't wanna plan in advance, don't plan in advance, but it, like you said, at some point, you're probably going to have to look at that. Mm-hmm. So you you it's more deciding when and how you're going to do it. And maybe also too, I mean, if people are just writing for themselves, noodling around, then, then maybe they don't need to, it's just for them. But I think it's specifically, if you want to get your book in front of people and make money on it and turn it into a business, which nobody would be listening to this if they didn't want that. So (laughs) you have to be willing to serve your reader, which means you have to be willing to write a story that a reader can connect to and stay engaged in. Yeah. And I think you can also look at it as a time issue or I started plotting my first book I wrote after college none of these ever saw the light of the day but the first one was just what they call a slice of life it was like a middle grade novel and it was okay but there was no clear story structure the second one I tried the same way and this time I saw what was happening but I had to throw out half the book and that made me feel sick because it had taken me over a year to write that I was working full time and that's when I said oh (laughs) I got to do something there must be something else I can do and that's when I started looking more at plot so it can help to think of it less as plot and structure and more as how how can I use my time better how can I write if not write faster maybe you write super fast as a discovery writer but speed up that rewrite process I agree I agree It's interesting how, I mean, I think most people would say the biggest loss they could think of would be of money. And of course, if you're, if you're hurting for money, that's definitely true. But, you know, as a writer, you learn that time is so valuable, you know, the amount of time it takes to create something and wanting to create a lot of it and, you know, get it to readers quickly. You just kind of learn a lot about what your time is worth. Yeah. And I think a lot of us undervalue our time. I've done it myself and I feel like it's especially strange to me because when I practice law full time, I I still practice a little, but I had, I would work at least 50 hours a week. That was an easy week, but I knew exactly how I spent my time because I build it by the hour and my clients, I'd have to fill out these timesheets in literally six minute increments and categorize what I did in every six minutes by coding it. And maybe in reaction against that, as an author, I have not been very good at that. So I have, I do think about efficiency, but there's part of me that resists trying to be too efficient or really track my time. And so I empathize with people who are like, oh, no, I I just want to dive in. I just want to do it. I don't want to think about the process. And yet, yeah, you find yourself down the road thinking, oh, was that worth all that time or look at how long I spent on that and you it doesn't feel as good it doesn't feel as exciting or as creative if you feel like you're writing and 
you're not doing as much with it. Or to your point, you want readers to read your work. Most people mm -hmm. do. Maybe, some people do write just for themselves and, that, right. and that's fun and that's fine. And it's probably very stress-free. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but if you want your work out there, even if you don't need to make a lot of money on it, you want readers to read it. So right. you do want it to be gripping. You don't want to spend all that time to have five of your friends download it and that's it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I love that you said that it was more exciting when you felt like you were doing something with it, because I, I do feel that like I, I am a, a pretty hardcore outliner and I recognize that not everybody writes the same way. But I also feel like if I know exactly what points to outline so that I know I have confidence that the reader is going to love the story, then it's way more exciting than just going, OK, well, this is what I want to do. I hope somebody likes it. You know what I mean? It's just it's, it's empowering, really. Yeah, it makes it a more fun process. And I think there's, for me, less anxiety. And there's some mm -hmm. of that too. I feel more anxious if I don't have any idea where I'm going. Right. Uh, when I, I took writing in college, I got a degree in writing in English and it was creative writing focused. But one thing that frustrated me in the program is they didn't teach plot. That's why I had to go over to the screenwriting people because their view of fiction was, well, you just, you work on writing a really great scene. I learned to write really strong scenes. I learned to write whether I felt like it or not. It was good for turning out pages. But the theory of a novel was, will you just string scenes together? Mm. And I discovered for me at least, yeah, that, that doesn't lead to an engaging novel, just stringing no. one scene after another. And to your point, it's it's not that much fun because you start feeling like you're just plodding along and saying, oh, okay, well, what could they do now? And right. for me, that that isn't as, as engaging. Maybe because I like strongly plotted novels. I like yeah. mystery and science fiction and thrillers. And I like a good story. I like good characters, but I like a, I want a good story. Right. And I think I think the problem is that a good story should feel cohesive from beginning to end. You know, um, it shouldn't be this happened, then this happened. It should say it should be this happened and therefore this happened. And so there's a cause and effect sort of chain. I, I was going to say, I remember reading a book in, in college in one of my uh, creative writing classes. And it was the, the whole idea was that the format of the book was that every chapter was a vignette which meant it could function as a self-possessing okay. or a completely self-possessed story. And that was fine. Like the story was good. The book was good for what it was. I appreciated learning about that format, but because you could read them all as independent stories and they didn't have a thread to tie through all of them, the entire book didn't feel like one big story. It felt like a series of stories. So I guess if you're trying to do that, that's totally fine, but that's not what most readers are looking for in a single story. Yeah, I agree. And we probably went to a similar type of program and maybe it reflects a difference between, yeah, what what are you trying to write? Because right. yeah, I, for the same reason I don't tend to read collections of short stories, I'm not a big fan of novels that work that way. I've read a couple I've loved, but it's the exception for me and yes. I'm with you. I want it to tie together. And I think that causality issue is key. There, there should should one scene should flow from the next occasionally you're going to go a different direction for a while but ultimately it should connect up in a mm -hmm. in a causal way otherwise i don't know i feel like we could just we could just watch ordinary life and yeah and we wouldn't need to read a fiction fiction imposes order on a story or creates some kind of resolution that we don't always have in in real life mm-hmm 
I agree. I agree. And I think our, our brains are always looking for patterns, which mm-hmm. we do when we're reading stories. And so that you can find patterns within a short story for sure. But then if that story ends and you're in the same book, but you're moving on, like you said, to a different short story, the brain kind of reacts against that and goes, no, I want more of this because I'm already invested in this, you know? And so it's just more likely to keep reading the same story for longer than to hop between kind of irrelevant scenes, you know? Yeah, I'm definitely in that same camp. Once I get invested in the story, I want more of that story. I want more of those characters. And a lot of what keeps people people reading is the same reason you and I do to know, well, this happened here. And then what did what happened next? Like, what did that cause? What where did the characters have to go because of this? That's what keeps you tuning in or clicking the button on Netflix for the next right. episode. <laughs> Right. I totally agree. I totally agree. So what advice would you give to a brand new writer um, who's just up and coming? And, you know, from from your experience, what would you tell them? Um, So having just said all this about plot and structure, my advice is if that if that is stopping you from writing, if you feel like, oh, I have to know this whole structure before I write or I can't get words on the page then I would say just start with whatever engages you. If it's a character, if it's a certain scene, just write. Because the biggest thing is to get the words on the page in the beginning. So start with what you what you love and write a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with writing a chapter or two chapters and then sorting out your plot. And you might, we've been talking about how hard it is to throw away pages, but in the beginning, you do sometimes Mm -hmm. you might write three chapters and then realize oh here's where my story starts what i've written is backstory and that's okay because you want to know the backstory too some of us think by writing so that's a big one is whatever it is that you are excited about that's a great place to start your story and you don't have to know where it's going i would just say once you've gotten it underway, or maybe you've written a bunch of notes, then maybe think about where, where you're going with this book. Yeah. Yeah. I love that advice. That's really great. Well, and you know, I was thinking as you were talking that, um, in a way it almost becomes, I don't want to say, cause I guess it's kind of an all over the place situation. I was thinking that I, I just had another, um, interview before this, when I was telling, um, him that I have a story that I'm working on now that I was working on like four years ago. And I finally started working on it again. And when I looked back at my early pages, I knew I probably wouldn't be using that because it was so old, but I was going to use it as a jumping off point for the story part of it. And then it turned out I couldn't use like any of it. Like it was really old and really different than how I write now, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. But in a way it almost became easier to throw away those pages now because I know that I can write something so much better now. And so I also think I don't know, anytime you write something and you've just written it, you're really, really close to it. And I think that's why it feels so hard to throw it away. But if you also know you can write something so much better, then it becomes easier to let the, you know, maybe what you would consider older or subpar writing fall away. I don't know. What what do you think about that? I think that's right. In the beginning, I, yes, I wrote everything thinking, oh, this is going to be amazing. And I felt, yeah, I felt horrible getting rid of it and you're right it's easier also the more you write the the less you 
feel that that one piece of fiction is is right. your baby or your you know the most important thing in the world which is very freeing because you know that yeah you will write something else um you also remind me the other advice i have is is finish what you write before you rewrite because a lot of times to your point you you're writing and you can't see what's working and not because you're in the middle of it and right. you know what you're saying and maybe you know where you're going maybe you don't but a lot of times i found that scene that i struggled with and rewrote 10 times i finished the novel put it aside for a month came back and said oh i don't need that scene at all that scene doesn't belong <laughs> there and now i spent however much time revising it. So sometimes you're trying to fix something at a scene level mm -hmm. and that's not the issue. It, right. it doesn't, doesn't belong in the story and you really can't see that until you're done. Yeah. It, it, so it's, it's worth it to keep going. Just the, uh, the other thing that was helpful to me in my writing classes was they would just say, write as much as you can, as fast as you can. And I think that that's good advice. Try to turn off that brain, that part of your brain that criticizes you and tells you it's not working when you're doing that first draft. Like just throw it on the page. And I always tell myself, just let yourself write something bad. It's it's okay. I do that mm -hmm. in my legal writing as well. And I'm just like, no, just throw it on the page. It, I'll fix it later. And often it's, it's way better than you think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I think finishing too just gives you sort of a bird's eye view. If you can see the entire product from beginning to end, that's really, really helpful. Um, but yeah, I also think, yeah, you have to be willing to let yourself. I mean, I I think it's just different for every person. And so if you're having a hard time finishing, you need to push through and finish that. If you're not someone who has a hard time finishing and you're having a hard time rewriting scenes, then like you said, put it away and, and finish everything. You know what I mean? I think you just kind of need to figure out what you're struggling with and push through that. And then once you get beyond that, you'll move to the next level kind of in your craft, whatever that is for you. That's a really good point because it's so easy to give generic advice. And yet it, it does depend in the beginning for a lot of people, just getting it on the page and getting mm -hmm. to the end is the struggle, but you're right. I'm, I'm much more apt. This is, I've, published about a dozen novels and I wrote three or four before that that never never were published um so at this stage if something's really not working early on in the book in the first third I might go back right. and revise it because to your point I know I'm going to finish it yeah and maybe going back and shifting that around helps me go forward mm -hmm. but my first probably six or so novels I think that that would have been a bad idea for yeah. me because yeah. I really did need to finish it first and maybe some writers there are some writers who can do the rewriting as they go and they produce a, a first draft that is very close right to finished and if you're someone who that's the case if that works for you then yeah go with it don't change it because you know someone right. like me told you you shouldn't do it that way <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, no. And I mean, I think you're right that probably the majority of writers have a trouble finishing that first book. It's why most people take uh, can often take, you know, years to write their first book. And then after that, they're whipping them out really fast, you know. So yeah. I think you're right about that. But yeah, I was going to say I am. Um, I am somebody who I don't necessarily rewrite as I'm going, but I do edit the text as I go, like more like line edits, you know, so that it's it's pretty in pretty good shape by the time I'm done with my first draft. But at the same time, I didn't necessarily do that when I very first started with my first books. And, you know, so it's just a, it's just a 
process along the way to figure out what works best for you. And everybody's, everybody's process is different. Yeah. And your process can change over mm -hmm. time probably or the type will. of book you're writing. <laughs> yeah. I pro I'm, yeah. It probably will. And one type of book might lend itself to a different process. That's true. You were, you reminded me of something else. This is, this is like mistakes I've made. So one of my biggest mistakes early on was rewriting too much. I would rewrite for the plot that I would spend forever line editing. And I think it's because I like that. Like, I know that I'm, I had done other kinds of writing. I knew I was good mm -hmm. at writing a good sentence and, you know, getting rid of all the passive voice, unless it made sense. And, and, you know, not having sentences that were all the same length and all these things. So I would do that over and over and over and not realizing that, oh, but it's my plot that needs <laughs> the work. And until I took the books to some workshops where I got someone who could look at that, I, I didn't know what was wrong. So I just yeah. kept reline editing. And as a result, this was in the days where all you could do was seek uh, traditional publishing. And so I'd, I'd get someone to read it because I wrote a good cover. My first chapter was well edited and clear, but I wasn't, you know, they'd get part of the book and then they get the rest of the book. And then at some point it would be a no. And it wasn't until I got someone to look at it who said, no, you, you, your writing's fine. It's your plot. Right. Um, so do, I, I feel like the advice is like, whatever you're good at, that's great, but don't get too hung up on only doing that and thinking right. that's the issue. I think I just felt safer doing that. Yeah. Which I think, yeah, I think that's the perfect way to put it. You know, you just get too hung up on it because that's easy for you. And the stuff that isn't easy is scary, but you know, that's part of, like I said, like you said, just, you gotta, you gotta move forward and push through whatever's blocking you from, from getting your work finished. Yeah. Sometimes, and sometimes you need someone outside to look at it mm -hmm. and tell you, cause you don't know what you don't know. I right. didn't right. know why it wasn't working. Um, but yeah, yeah, also sometimes just writing the next thing rather than rewriting mm -hmm. forever. Sometimes you got to go to that next story or that next novel and that's where you sort out the right. issues you had. Right. I, yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, yeah. So, well, thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. I think you've given us a lot of valuable insights. Is there anything else you wanted to share before we wrap up? Um, I don't think so. I, f I feel like I, I just threw out a bunch of stuff yeah. and <laughs> I don't want to overwhelm people, but I do want to say thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I've listened to quite a few episodes. I think they're really helpful and I love your upbeat attitude and how encouraging you are to people. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, thank you so much for being here. Why don't you tell everyone where they can connect with all of their, all of your books? Yeah, you can find my mysteries and thrillers at my author website, lisalily.com. And that's L-I-L-L-Y for Lily. And you can find the books on writing craft and a bunch of articles at writingasasecondcareer.com. Great. I will make sure and link all those up in the show notes so that people can connect with you. Um, yeah, thanks so much again for being here and good luck with everything. Thank you. You too. Thanks. Before you go, if you found value in this episode, can you do me a solid and share it with other authors you think might benefit from it? Remember, the rising tide lifts all boats. Also, if you haven't yet, would you be willing to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts? It's the only way for me to know that you're enjoying the podcast and it helps Apple recommend it to other authors like you who might benefit from it. 
Finally, if you haven't already, hop over and join the Prolific Author community on Facebook. Inside, authors network, ask questions, and I often do teaching via Facebook Lives. Thank you so much for listening today. Happy story crafting this week. And remember, there is always a market for awesome.